Will you join me in a moment of prayer? <clears throat> Gracious God, we ask that we may be heard, but that we may also hear. In Christ's name, amen. passage today, obviously, is, uh, both passages really, are about uh, listening, seeing, the things that we probably need to do a lot more of, uh, paying attention. The story of Nathaniel, uh, Philip and others have witnessed this Jesus, this new person that is rather strange. They don't really understand who this person is, but... For some reason, Philip witnesses this, and he comes back and he says, Nathaniel, you've got to see this. You've got to see this guy. And Nathaniel knows a little bit about Jesus. He knows that Jesus is from Nazareth. And uh, I remember going to the Holy Land years ago, 96, I think, and going over, and uh, one of the places we went was Nazareth, which makes sense. But it's a little village, and it, I don't think it's changed much in 2,000 years. It's a really kind of a, it's kind of a dull place. If you ever go there, you've got to see it. But it is kind of a dull place. And, uh, and so I can understand where Nathaniel said, uh, essentially, snidely, uh, can anything good come out of Nazareth? We, we hear that. Now, people joke all, all the time about things like that. How often do we hear, can anything good come out of New Jersey? And we're tired of hearing that, aren't we? Uh, it's funny because more people, people want to live here. Uh, but be that as it may, growing up, I uh, grew up not far from here in Berkeley Heights in the suburbs, but that's not where my family was from. My father was from the western part of Pennsylvania. Uh, out past Pittsburgh in a town called Uniontown, which is a nice sound, Pennsylvania-sounding sounding name. And uh, Eleanor Berry is from that area. And this morning, I hope I didn't offend her, because she came to the 8.30 service, and she said, uh, I'm from out there. And I, can, I said, I know, I can tell from your accent how, that you're from there, and I can close my eyes. And, and there were a lot of wonderful things there. I had a, a, my father's cousin who was always would bake cookies. I mean, the people were wonderful. But it was like Nazareth. I, I would go there as a kid. First of all, it took about eight hours to drive there. Now, being eight or nine years old in a car, the only fun thing was we didn't have to wear seat belts, so we could just sit in the back of the station wagon and kind of bounce all over the place. That was okay. But the problem was is it took so long to get there, and once we got there, there was nothing to do. There was nothing to do at all. It's an old coal mining town. Even then, they were getting out of the coal mining business. They had one movie theater in town, and the movies that were showing were always movies nobody wanted to see. Nobody had heard of, nobody ever wanted to see. And so it was really dull and boring. Now, we had to go out there to visit my father's family, and that's, that's understandable. And uh, now that my kids are all grown and now we're working on grandchildren, I have a better appreciation for the history of that as it may, the problem was is that as a kid, can anything good come out of me? Didn't want to get out of here. So I could understand Nathaniel at a very personal level what he's saying. Can anything good come out of me? 
father um, stayed at home in Berkeley Heights until he died, and he died in 2005. Well, uh, a couple years before he died, in 2003, I was over visiting one day, and he pulled out this old, uh, well, it wasn't too old, a, a newspaper article that somebody had sent him from Uniontown. I don't know what it was, the Uniontown Gazette or something like that. And uh, it, it said, some, it was very strange. It was, it was from present day. It was from 2003. And it said, Prince Philip of York, not York, Pennsylvania, by the way, not even New York, York, England, was coming to visit the people of Uniontown. My first thought is, what kind of a dull life must Prince Philip have <laughs> to want to go to Uniontown? I've always wanted to go to Uniontown, he told the queen, and then he went, no, that wasn't, the, that wasn't it. <coughs> My dad was very proud. He said, um, explain to me. He was going to Uniontown to honor the town. He was going to honor the community because there was a man from Uniontown. I was not aware of this all growing up. There was a man who used to work in the, uh, in the White House. He was chief of staff during World War II. And then he was secretary of state under Harry Truman. His name was George C. Marshall. Now, George C. Marshall, to those, uh, many of us who obviously didn't know him or know of him, George C. Marshall was the architect of something called the Marshall Plan. And the Marshall Plan, after World War II, many say is responsible for really holding Europe together. The Marshall Plan. And he was from Uniontown, Pennsylvania. Wow. Uh, I must say, I was impressed. I was impressed. And so, all of a sudden, I realized that there's, there's something maybe more than meets the eye. And so here we, have, here we have Nathaniel. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And all we have are three simple words. And, and John is, is brilliant in how he shares this. Doesn't try to explain it. Doesn't try. Come and see. Come that's exactly what he does. And he sees Jesus and says, you are the Son of God. Come and see. Sometimes that's the only way that we can come and understand. To come and see. Now John realizes these three words, come and see, are, are so important, but that's all he says about them. Because he realizes, as they realize their ancient mind, realize something that I think we've lost track of. Come and see. In 1738, a man was born uh, named Sir Frederick William Herschel. He was born in Hanover, Germany, German astronomer. He grew up to be an astronomer, a scientist. He and his sister had built a telescope. And he was the first one to discover Uranus, the, uh, the, the first planet discovered that you could not see with the naked eye. But in 1800, being a scientist, he discovered something else. He was fascinated by, by the stars, but also fascinated by light. And he realized that over time, <clears throat> over time he realized 
for some strange reason that when, when light was refracted in a rainbow, the different colors of light had different heats, believe it or not. They have different temperatures. I never knew that. Never knew that. 1800. He, he knew that. But he wanted to discover something about it. So he took a prism, and he had the light go through the prism, and it showed all the light colors of the rainbow. And you can imagine, it really wasn't that hard, but he came up with uh, little thermometers or whatever for each band of the rainbow. And sure enough, he noticed from one side to the other, as he went from band to band, the temperature started to go up. And finally, he came to one band the, at, the, at the very end, which was red. But then something surprised him. Beyond that, there was no more light, but the heat kept increasing. Wow. He discovered something that we now call infrared light. Infrared light. Realizing that there is light we cannot see. There is something that is real that we cannot see. Fascinating. And so here we are now in hundreds of years later. And what do we come across? We are so sophisticated. He lived in a time of things that were real that we couldn't see. And yet, what do we have? What do we live with? What we live with. Years ago, all of a sudden a great invention in the early 1900s. You could actually go and watch pictures of people moving on a screen. And then that screen came into our, our living rooms in a little box. But that wasn't good enough. Then it, it was something we could see put on our desks or on a shelf now hang on our wall, but even carry in our hands. And look at the generation that's coming up and gaming. And the ironic, strange thing is, is now we're so attuned not to seeing things that are real, but seeing things that aren't. First we'll realize that there's so much that is real that we can't see. Now we're, we're, we're looking at things that aren't, aren't real at all. So these words from John are so important to us today. Come and see. And we might read right past them and go right past them because it, it, it's the way we think nowadays. Only what we see is real, even if it's not. But let's face it, if we, if we get a phone call from somebody we haven't seen in years, oh, next time you're in Madison, next time you're in the area, we would love to see you. Now, if that's what we really meant, we could simply say, oh, we haven't seen you in years. Can you send me the most recent photograph you have of yourself? Because I haven't seen you in years. But that's not what we mean. There's something more than that. There's something more than that. And 2,000 years ago, the coming of Christ, that come and see. A lot of people saw Jesus, but not a lot of people saw Jesus. That's the challenge. Come and see. It is ours to receive, and then it is also ours to share. Let us pray. Lord God, we come together today grateful for the gifts of fellowship. And we are mindful this day of, of the wonder 
that surrounds us. For that which is seen and that which is unseen, may we be attentive. May we hear your voice, whether it comes to us as a still small voice, or whether we do hear it in the hurricane or with a helping hand, a kind word, or sometimes in sheer silence. We thank you today and this weekend for those whom we no longer see but know that their lives have changed the world. We give thanks for the ministry, the vision of Martin Luther King, the life that he lived and the ministry that he saw across borders outside the church, inside the church, with those who believed, those who had no belief. And his quest for justice, but a deeper quest and simple justice. Not the justice that we find simply in this world, but the justice that begins here and ends with you, and the justice that begins with you and ends in our daily lives. Help us to celebrate and to live lives worthy of it. We lift up those who have such great need. In our midst, we remember the Fanton family and the Motto family and the Elwins and those that have suffered loss. For the families that have suffered loss in California the continued struggle of those in different parts of, of the world. For those that are lost and no one even misses them. We pray for the damage not only to lives but to, to homes and to businesses, ways of life. We pray for those that have special need closer to us. We, we lift up Marianne and Mark. For Sydney and Cynthia, we remember Zachary and Katie, Steve. We know that each day is a gift. as soon as we know it, we forget it. May our lives reflect faithful living. So as we come together, we bring our hearts and our lives before you as a community of faith. But before we leave, we come also with our own personal prayers. So hear our prayers in the name and for the sake of Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. 